Welcome to the German Genealogy Girls podcast. I am your host, Ursula Krause from Berlin, Germany. Join me as I dive into German genealogy. You will receive first-hand information on the best resources and techniques, German history, and all you need to know when it comes to German research. And now, let's get started. Welcome to the German Genealogy Girls podcast. Those of you who have listened to my other podcasts know that I usually have a guest and uh, my guests are usually sitting in the US and we're talking through the internet. But today, someone very special is joining me and she's sitting right next to me. Welcome Ute Brandenburg. Thank you, Ursula. I've been in Berlin for a few days and the two of us have talked research and we had ice cream and it's been a wonderful visit with you. So I'm, I'm happy to be doing this podcast with you. And I'm really happy to have you here with me. So, Uta, those of the very few people out there who don't know you, they're <laughs> eager to know more about you. So please tell us more. Well, I'm an American by birth, but I grew up in Germany. Um, and I went to school and to college here and have now been living back in the United States for quite a while. So I am really someone with a foot in both countries, I feel. I do genealogy. I've done it since I was a teenager because my my father got me interested in it. Um, I have Americans who were of German descent in my family, so my father was always interested in researching, and I kind of grew up thinking this was a cool thing. So um, for the my time in America, I have been doing my own research. And then for the last couple of years, I have built my business where I am now almost full-time doing research for others. And I specialize in reading German, I'm German scripts. I like to track people who came to the United States where their descendants don't know where they were from. And that's something I'm pretty good at, is finding out what part of Germany they came from. And... Yeah, and then I just love old records. So I enjoy researching in old German handwritten records, and I could do that day and night. And for those of you out there, I can tell you Ute is a wizard when it comes to the old German script, to deciphering it. Uh, so she's really good at that. Thank you. I, I, I love puzzle work, I guess. So Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. the more mysterious it is, the more fun I have with yeah. that. But that's all what genealogy is about, right? It's about puzzling. Yeah, it's I I guess I feel like a detective often. And Yeah, that's what we are. Mm -hmm. So, but we didn't really want to talk about puzzling or doing detective work. What we are uh, going to talk about today is ancestral travel to Germany. I know that many of you out there have been to Germany already, have done partly even done research at the archive, uh, or maybe are planning to come soon. So we're just going to give you some tips, some hints, going to tell you about more what to do and what to expect and what not to expect. Um, so maybe those of you who haven't traveled yet will receive some important information and some who haven't planned may be curious to come to Germany in the future. So what we want to talk about today are the many different things you can actually do in Germany. 
You can just do, uh, say, tourist trip and uh, visit Germany and look at old castles and the beautiful German landscape and uh, do the, the timber-framed houses and the River Rhine, so you can do a Rhine cruise. And there are many things just simply just to look at. And you can have food, German food, the good German Bratwurst, maybe, or yes. Sauerbraten. Yes, you wouldn't want to leave without having tried the regional specialties. And the yeah. wonderful ones in all different parts of Germany. Yeah, I love the Spätzle most, actually, from southwest Germany. Highly recommendable. Oh, uh, and uh, but maybe you you don't want to do this tourist stuff. You just want to go and meet your ancestors, so to say. So you want to go directly to the place they came from: Mecklenburg, Baden, Württemberg, Bavaria, Franconia, uh, Brandenburg, Saxony, Hesse. So there there's a lot to see, and uh, many of you probably will have more than one place specific place in Germany to look at because you have one part of the family maybe from Mecklenburg and the other from Baden. Mm -hmm. So you will have uh, quite a trip through Germany. Today we just want to tell you more how to travel, what to see, what to expect and what not to expect. Right. And the way you travel and uh, the difficulties and the big fun. So let's go, Ute. Well, Which part do we start with? <laughs> general travel or ancestral travel? There's, yeah. I, I, I think the big thing to consider is if you really do want to have an, a research component or want to really learn something about how your ancestors lived, I think you really need to start planning your trip way ahead of time. You know, it's easy to book a flight and plan a tourist trip to Germany. You don't need to plan that far ahead. But if you want to learn about what your ancestors' lives were like, when, if you want to really get something out of the genealogy part of the trip, you need to start planning a year at least ahead. Yeah. You, I, actually, this just happened just twice this month that I got emails from people, oh, we're going to Germany in June, and we think our ancestor came from about this region. Can you tell us, can you help us prepare for that? That's not a lot of time if there's research involved. So um, especially if you need to find more records and you would want to find as much as you can before you go, um, then then it really makes a difference if you plan far ahead. Yes, I totally agree. Um, you need to be 100% sure of the exact place your ancestors came from. So if you only have a passenger record, for example, that shows Prussia, You have a lot of research ahead of you. Um, or maybe it has a, uh, just a large town. Um, and then you get there and then you find that they have not been born there at all. And they just said when they arrived, oh, we came from Berlin. But in real life, they lived 100 miles away from it. So you definitely need to have some kind of German record that gives you the exact place of birth. Right. And these records are oftentimes much easier to access from your home in the United States or from online, actually. A lot of people will also say, well, we're going to be in this town, and uh, what do we do? Do we go to the church where we can then see the records? And they don't realize that in most cases, these records are not at the church, but they're in an archive. And oftentimes, they've been digitized, and you can do the research very comfortably 
ahead of time. If you arrive in a town wanting to do research, wanting to find records, you may be out of luck because most likely they're not in the town, but in an archive. And then to visit an archive also takes some planning. I guess we'll talk about that later. Yeah. Let's start talking with general advice when you travel to Germany. Many of you ask yourselves, how do I get around? Well, Germans love going by train. Going by train actually is really nice in Germany, isn't it, Ute? It's one of the things I miss most, actually. It's one of the things I missed most living in the United States. I just love train travel. German trains are comfortable and you can just... It, train tra travel in its own as a way of seeing the country because you see the beautiful towns that you pass through in the landscape. So I very much recommend it. You can get almost anywhere in Germany by train. Let's qualify that with almost, not completely everywhere, but you can get many places by train. And it's comfortable. It's generally pretty reliable in Germany. And, and it's fast. It's fast, yes. It it's much faster than going by car, actually. Oh, absolutely. I can get from Hanover, where I came from, to see you in under two hours. And, yeah, yeah. very comfortable. Yeah. It's four hours from Berlin to Munich. And it's worry-free, you know. If, if you're exactly. not used to driving in Germany, that if you want to drive, and you may need to get a rental car, um, it, it, I think it's important, first of all, You probably don't want to drive a stick shift, so you have to reserve a car that's not a stick shift. Most Germans drive stick shift. You can exactly. get them too, but I just do. make sure you, you qualify that when you get your rental car. Um, and I, I, the traffic rules, Germans are orderly people, and actually the roads are good. There's something to be said for getting a rental car because it can take you places that, especially if you have ancestors from small villages or remote areas, you, you will need to do that yeah. to really get around yes. and see things. Yes, yes, you do. If, if you like, have ancestors in Mecklenburg, um, you can go to maybe a town... Uh, that has a train station, but usually if you really go to the small villages, there's no bus, or maybe the bus goes once in the morning, once in the evening, so you will definitely need to rent a car. Uh, it's also hard to get a taxi. There are taxis, but you have to book them, so you have to call mm -hmm. them and make an appointment, and then maybe you will have somebody who will drive you around the day, so that's uh, that would be an idea as well if you don't want to drive, but usually if you're on the countryside, it's easy to drive. Um, yeah, and um, and I hear that uh, renting a car is much more expensive in Germany than it is in America. Yes. I'm not experienced yes. with that. Yes, I th for me it's been worth it for various reasons, and I, I think a lot of tourists really get stuck in the towns. And not that you shouldn't see the wonderful towns, but if you overcome your fear of maybe getting a car and it'll take you to completely new experiences. The little villages that you would never see otherwise are so much more likely to be what your ancestor experienced. Yeah. Sometimes and I actually leave the motorway and just drive through the small villages mm -hmm. just to get to know the country I live in uh, because, of course, Germany is rather big and uh, we don't know everything, haven't seen everything. So it's always my goal to see as much as possible. And sometimes yeah. it's really nice just going through the countryside instead. Well, actually, my, my dad and I were in Bavaria and Bohemia three years ago together on an ancestral trip, and we had a rental car. And we went into the most remote little 
areas of farms in Bavaria in Bavaria. And we actually found the farm that his ancestor had lived at on and it was just a little one lane roadway and if we hadn't prepared for the trip and really known the records and then had that car to just go out and go wherever we wanted the trip would not have been half as interesting so yeah. I, that that was just a wonderful experience just having that freedom to go and find the places and yeah yeah exactly so so we would recommend getting a car I think so. we, if you I, go to yes. the to the countryside if you have ancestors from berlin of course you won't need anything yeah. we also have excellent pl- public transportation in berlin that is safe yeah and, and uh, every major city has good public transportation and it's exactly. not expensive and if you want to sightsee in a city you can just get a day ticket for the subway or or yeah or streetcars or whatever yeah. there is, and it's a wonderful way to get around the city. So you you don't need a car. Yeah. Sometimes they even have this kind of tourist tickets, and they also include museums, for example. Yeah. So it might be worth looking into that. And you can go to the next tourist office, and, and often they also t- um, sell these tickets. So um, it's easy. Yeah. And I, and I think, actually, back to driving, I think driving in a big city is more scary Yeah. if you're an American, because we're used to roadways being yeah. in in a grid and and yeah. uh predictably numbered and germany german old cities grew yeah. differently yeah. so it can be quite confusing yeah. so i hardly ever drive when i'm in the cities i yeah. always take public transport because it's much easier and much more relaxing and it's also very nice to watch the people i think so if i'm oh, yeah. if i'm in a foreign country i always take public transport and just watch the people so and especially in berlin being so multicultural you will have all the nations all in one stuff so so one place so you just go go uh, by public transport for half an hour and you seen the world True. so uh that's really nice yeah so we now we talked about transportation and uh, getting around how about hotels hotels are rather easy to book naturally you can do all that on the internet but if you're doing ancestral travel maybe you want to do something very special and maybe stay on the countryside in maybe even the village the, um, your ancestors lived in in a small inn and of course these in they're rather they're not as comfortable as a four or five um star hotel they're probably not going to have wi-fi they're certainly not going to have air conditions because germans aren't so much into air conditions as americans are but they might not Thank even have a God. website i mean if yeah. you're traveling through the backcountry in yeah. the small villages there's always going to be a little pension that has a room to rent and and you They always, you can always find a room unless it's a very touristy area. Yeah, but it's, exactly. It's not hard to find inexpensive accommodations. Exactly. Just about everywhere. Yeah, and very often they're very cozy. And the best thing is that often they are run by people who are locals and have been there for centuries and might be able to tell you things. Yeah, I've, exactly. Mm-hmm. And probably they're related to you, so um, <laughs> you might find that. But I found uh, the place that my great 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 grandparents lived in. There's still an inn that was there at the time they lived oh, there. Oh, wonderful! And and they have a part that isn't renovated, so you can really look at it. Mm-hmm. 
And that was really cool going there and thinking, was, oh, my God, this, this is where my great, 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 great grandfather had a beer. Uh, and that's uh, that's amazing. So that's mm-hmm. something you can find. Mm-hmm. Um, also, something that those of you who have ancestors from Mecklenburg is um, very often we have these old estate houses that were turned into hotels, um, and they're a bit luxurious and and they're really nice, really nice uh, places to stay. So you have quite a good chance of the, the estate where your ancestors lived on actually has a hotel, is a hotel now. And I have done that. So I'm I stayed um, at the estate house of the place my great 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 grandmother was born in 1801, and Wonderful. I felt it had some kind of spirit. And it was really, really nice. And I have more ancestors and with estate houses. So I have more sleeping to do there. And as you're telling this, I'm thinking, oh, yes, this is something we need to say. As, a, as an American, you, you'll see that there are standard hotel brands all over German cities, too. There's Best Western. There's, there's everything there. Have the courage to go somewhere else. Exactly. The German hotels are good. You're not going to have a really bad experience, very unlikely. And and just have the courage of finding something less known, a little, just rent a room. Um, you're going to have so much more, as Ursula just said, of a, a more personal experience than if you stay in something that's just like you have it at home. Exactly, exactly. But it's not as luxurious. So if you're looking for... for, for uh, something that is really upper standard, uh, you might not get lucky maybe, there, but maybe. I think it's worth Let it. Let me add one thing, though, that I saw. You can now also stay in castles. And there is a exactly. castle on the Rhine, Rhine River that I... We ha- we stayed at the youth hostel nearby, but we came and looked at it, and it was very expensive and luxurious, but you... they It was a little hotel, and we ate there, and it was wonderful food, and you could pick a little castle room, and yeah. you can find things like this. It's, it, it's, I think it's on top of a tower, isn't it? So you overlook yeah. the entire Rhine Valley? Yes, yes. So that and, I, and there, oh, there, are, yeah. there are more and more places like that. that yeah. So yeah. I would absolutely have courage to do something more unusual. Exactly, exactly. So you will find information if you go uh, contact the tourist office of this very region, or maybe of the of a town, of a larger town next by. Yeah. Uh, so you will find information about these kind of hotels, True. accommodations. Um, food. Food, food, food. Oh, food <laughs> is good in Germany. Beer is good in Germany. You, you can't go wrong. And again, you know, we have standard american fast food too don't do it no no go and no. any traditional german restaurant it food is not expensive in germany if, if you're coming from an america it's very comparable or even less expensive just to eat out it's wonderful yeah um, very high quality often yes yes and um you will want to experience anywhere you travel you will want to experience the local food and that's part of your travel of of your cultural experiences to taste the the cuisine of the country you go to and where better could you do that in, than in Germany you will want to know though this is something in general when you travel to Germany you need to know is that you can't always pay with credit cards it's still you can in you can get gas with credit cards in department stores you can pay with credit cards hotels obviously but if it's like but a not small, in every hotel if it's a small if it's hotel a small on the countryside Right, and in restaurants or just convenience stores, you you should always be have some cash with you. Yeah, That's Germans are 
cash people, uh -huh. and they're trying to get us to use our credit cards more often, but we resist. And I think we're the only Europeans, yeah. the, the only country in Europe who does that, but we just love our cash. Yeah. And it's still also at the archives, uh, you can only pay with cash. So always have cash with you. Uh, try to also have coins with you. Mm -hmm. You might need them to buy a ticket at a ticket machine or so. Mm -hmm. So um, so it's, it's about cash, mainly. Yeah, yeah. I'd like to say just in general about travel to Germany, because again, Americans come from this large country and it's huge and you see tiny Germany on the map and you think, oh, well, we can see a lot. Don't plan too much. Yeah. Don't plan to see too much in too little time. It's just not, you're not going to get the best experience. You don't have to see everything. Just focus on one or two areas, really spend a few days in an area, get to know your ancestral home in depth rather than trying to cover five cities in three days or three countries in five days. That just, it, it's... The Japanese it, way. <laughs> yeah, I, it's its just, you can always yeah. come back, but I think you're going to have a much more meaningful experience yeah. if you don't rush to too many yeah. places. And those of you who don't really know what to do and just want to get an idea first, I would highly recommend just taking a guided tour where everything is planned and then you can do... Germany, then you get an idea of how it looks like. Um, maybe you can go to some places already uh, that your ancestors lived at or maybe to the um, uh, immigration museums in Hamburg and Bremen, which we're going to talk about later. Um, or, um, um, you know, just, just to get an idea and then maybe come back a few years later and then having done your research and then saying, okay, this year it's Mecklenburg. Yeah, that's... So that might mm -hmm. also be an idea that you just start with a kind of ancestral trip that will give you an idea of the culture, of the heritage, of the history of Germany, so that you know what Germany is about. And then the next step would be really a focused trip to to do research, for example, or to mm -hmm. really see the area your your ancestors came from. Now we talked food, we got talked hotel, we talked um, getting around. There's something that I have to tell you about that you can't, you simply can't go to Germany without having seen one of the open air museums. I love open air museums. Nearly every area has one. Um, and uh, these open air museums, they really have the old houses, which they broke down and rebuilt in kind of villages. Um, and I remember when I was a kid, um, the beginning of the 70s, that they were just starting these open air museums. And everybody said, oh, why are they keeping these old houses? <laughs> and what is this good for? Oh, and, and I remember these discussions. And I remember when being in elementary school that we went to see one. And I loved it. I just walked through and thought, oh, this is so great, even as a kid, because it has such a power and it was so it was so nicely done and you could really imagine your ancestors living there 
and they have old uh, uh, smithery and 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 um, a lot of different crafts that they um, that they talk about. So there are people ha- ha- they have people there working there actually. So you can ask them, and many of them even speak English, and you will get a lot of information about the craft maybe your ancestors had. And you have a bakery that has an old oven and an old school that you can see how how your ancestors sat and, there. And you walk into the farmhouse and it smells yeah, like straw exactly. roof and fireplace and you have this experience of this this multi-sensory experience of not just seeing a picture of it but really feeling the air and smelling the place and the cold air and and yeah the, the sounds yeah and the, they actually sometimes have animals there and yes i i totally agree with you Ursula. I there are two open air museums in the northwestern part of germany that i have visited a number of times and i could go back again and again yeah. it's just so wonderful to and overwhelming really especially i'm thinking of the one near Aulich, there's where they, they had moors and they, the moor settlers came in in the 1700s and they lived under unbelievable conditions just in tiny little huts and you can look into these huts and um, those were my ancestors and they persevered and of course many didn't make it but that's why I'm here today because those people were not afraid to come settle in this area and living in these little huts and it's just you 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 see yourself in a new light yeah. when you have this experience yeah and it's also um, a way of learning more about timber framed houses for example of course because the ones that we see when we go to the towns all of them are nicely or most of them are nicely renovated but but they're modern so yeah. if you go inside, they're modern. They have modern b- bathrooms and everything. But um, it's much nicer to see how did people live then. And that, for example, they didn't have an oven. That there only was a fireplace and otherwise you couldn't heat the house. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all these, these things, how, how cold it must have been. Right. And, and also how they sat together. So you can really imagine... Um, your ancestors sitting together at the fireplace and, of course, not watching TV, but telling stories yes, and singing songs. Yes, and doing, and, yeah. doing hand, handiwork and patching. And, and, and repairing. West, yes, know, and, yes. Yeah. So you can really close your eyes and see them there. So so open-air museums yeah, are a and, must. And, and tourists will see castles, and you have the same experience there, just the cold, damp inside of the castles. And that... That is, of course, you should do that too. But that's where everyone goes. And you don't really see that many Americans in these open-air museums. I think they're just not on people's radars. Yeah. And... Um, because the often way, they're they're a bit on the countryside, so they're right. not directly in town. So I think that people, they just overlook them. Yeah. But you mentioned that people speak English, and I just have to say, yes. Germans, all Germans learn English in school, and you will in the cities anyway, but also historical, any places you go that tourists would go to, I think you can always expect that there will be someone who would speak adequate English to answer your question. So that's some a fear you do not need to have when you come to Germany, that there's a language barrier. Yeah, it might be a bit tricky in what was uh, uh, the GDR before East Germany, right. if you're really coming to the countryside. But my experience is that even if they don't speak English, they're really willing to talk to you. Mm-hmm. So 
to say. So you can you can make yourself understood, and they can make themselves understood. So uh, don't be afraid of that. They 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 are really nice, and and um, a smile sometimes sometimes takes you a long way. Yeah. So I I think I don't really see that as a problem. Not at all. We were talking about um, these museums that you can see and um, getting a local tour guide. I just wanted to check in on that again. That's also a question I get from people who plan trips to Germany is, is do they have a genealogical society that we can go to, like we do in the United States, where someone will help you, tell you about the town? They don't have quite that, but German cities, or German villages especially, will often have something called a Heimatverein or a Geschichtsverein, which is an organization that preserves history and genealogy and those are volunteer organizations and you won't find them in a library that's just open you'll have to do a little investigating but my experience has been that if you can find this organization for a town and often you can do that just by googling um, you might very well find a local history buff who would just love to meet the descendants of yeah and actually he's probably your cousin he may be related to you. <laughs> There's a good chance that he's we've, related to you. We've heard stories like that, haven't we? Absolutely. So, and and so you might be able to find someone who would just love to meet you and show you around. And and uh, again, this is something you need to plan ahead and do a little research. But uh, oftentimes, um, if you just do some checking into it, you can come up with non-typical <laughs> tourist things that just won't happen if you do, if you don't investigate. So yeah. Yeah, so that's definitely worth looking into. Um, and often they will also, um, they also have a lot of genealogical information there. For example, the, the church records. Um, so they have copies of the church book, for example. Sometimes they even have a database. Um, yes, so it wouldn't necessarily be in the pastor's hand, but it might be in this local history Exactly. Exactly. Yes. So I have that. I had that once that I could easily solve a case within half an hour, I, and I oh, just really? called them. And of course, I had a cousin on the phone, and uh, uh, and uh, the president of this society was another cousin. Uh, so it was. I mean, the entire the entire town was his cousins. <laughs> so uh, so that was rather easy. So we got all the information, and they told us exactly the farm they had lived on and the history of the farm. Um, so uh, so that was really nice. So so my client went there a few weeks later and met two hundred of his oh, cousins wonderful. right away. <laughs> Yeah, but that's in certain areas. You you're probably yeah. not going to find that in Mecklenburg or so because so many towns or the small villages are so mixed by now. Right. So many people left for political reasons. A lot of refugees that were in areas that that are now Poland. Um, so they they are there. So so there also there are certain towns in Brandenburg, for example, that don't have any of the uh, original population. There living, and all of them are were refugees who came after the after World War Two. This is interesting because your family history is primarily in what was Eastern Germany, and mine is primarily in Western Germany. So we're coming at it with some very different. 
perspectives here. Exactly. Exactly. That, that, research, that's news to yeah. me that it would be so difficult yeah. in the East. Yes. Yeah. Um, research in East Germany is very different from research mm -hmm. than it is in, in West Germany because there are much less sources. They simply don't have these roots, I, w I would think. Right. Um, and uh, most of you know who have ancestors from, from the East uh, that Saxony and Thuringia um, and um, um, Saxony-Anhalt um, hardly have any records online. So Saxony is starting now with the Evangelical Church records. They're coming from to Archeon now. But it's going to take years and years right. and years. And uh, Saxony, Anhalt and Turinia haven't even started yet. So they're not even joined the gang, so to say. Yeah. So that's going to take a long time. And um, it simply, it has something to do with, with roots. Of, of, um, and you will find, you will not find so many rooted people there or people who really want to know how they are connected. Okay. They live in small towns and they know that they are connected because they grew up together and they know that their grandparents and great-grandparents are somehow connected, but they're not really interested in, um, in really putting it in on a piece of paper or something. They just okay. know and that's enough for them. Yeah. So it simply is not this this common yet to do a family tree, and that makes it makes it much more complicated, especially if nothing's online. But it's coming. It's coming. This, this clear genealogy is coming in Germany, and it's we should talk again forward. in ten years and just see where it's moved to, yeah. because it's a very exciting time yeah. to be doing genealogy. Yeah, yeah. but I mm. I think that what happened in the last ten years is amazing, it's phenomenal. It's yes, with all the mm -hmm. the, the online uh, information, and now planning a trip is so much easier. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and um, even even with hotels and accommodation and everything, it's so much easier with the internet. Right. Um, so that's um, hooray for the internet. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we talked about so many things now, and now um, I want to hear more from Ute talk about the Auswandererhaus in in Bremen. I haven't been there yet, but Ute, you have last week. I and was just there was last amazing, week, and I've right actually heard ahead of time from many. Americans, some of my clients had been there. What an amazing place that was. And so I took my dad, who was 86 and who was just visiting in Germany as well, and the two of us made an outing of it. And we drove up. It's in Bremerhaven, which was the harbor for Bremen. It was established in 1827 so that because so much more shipping was happening, they, they developed their own harbor city. So... Um, That was where many Americans left from. The two main ports in Germany were Hamburg and Bremen. There were more, but those were the majority of immigrants left through those two. Um, and so Bremerhaven is kind of out of the way. You have to get there. <laughs> Rental car is advised, although yeah. you can but take a train. a train. There is a train. There is a train. Um, but actually, just what we were saying, we took a car and we saw all these wonderful little villages out yeah. there where no tourist comes to, way up in the north. It was just so beautiful, all these straw-covered roofs. and So just the traveling up there was wonderful. But so this museum, I I would like to do it again, just, just this, a second time. It is an all-round experience. You can... You get assigned a person. So you get a little flyer that tells you you are this person and you emigrated 
in this year and find out more about yourself. So you, you have a mission. You don't have to do it that way, but that, that's one way to do the museum is, is to track this person and find what happened to them at the different steps. Um, so you have your card and then you walk into a large room that is staged as the... Um, when when you get on the ship where people the the K is that what you say mm-hmm. in English? Yeah. It's a K. It's Kai in German. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's right. You speak German. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Um, and so it's this big dark room, and there's this big ship wall, and it's it's all done with sounds. Again, just like I was saying about the smell in the in the open air museum. This is they really put thought into the full body experience of what our ancestors went through. And there are all these figures, life-size figures, that are sitting there ready to travel. And the people who come in look just like them. So you really feel like you're in this crowd. And as you walk through, you hear them speak in different languages. And um, what's actually happening is they're reading from letters that people wrote back home about their travel experiences. So so you're you're... Among these emigrants, hearing their thoughts, the thoughts of real emigrants that they had at this time. And then the next step is you get on the ship, and even the floors are crooked. It really feels like you're on a ship, and you, you hear the waves. And it takes you through different to, through the accommodations of ships at different times in history. And you see, A, how awful it was in for earlier well, immigrants. Smelly, I suspect. Well, and there I must say that they didn't quite get the smelly Thank aspect. God. But yes. <laughs> but so the sound effects included snoring and coughing. And so you have all these sounds of crowds of people that are not pleasant. And you 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 see these cramped quarters where people had to sit in for weeks because this was before the arrival of the steam engine or the steamboats in the 1850s, it took many weeks to cross the Atlantic. And they had very meager provisions. Often their food went bad. People got food poisoning. Everyone was together, cramped together on these little bunks. And it was, it was, I would say, almost terrifying to see, to, to be in this place. And all, for all the research I've done, this was a completely unexpected experience for me to stand in this steerage accommodation of an 1850s ship. And then you moved on and you saw some improvements into it, and you could also look through windows and see what it was like in the 20 in the in the first class and um by the time we got to the 1920s it was really quite comfortable. So um your ancestors who came over before 1860 or so had a completely different experience than those that came in the early 1900s and it must have taken so much courage. Yeah, And on the way, there are stories you can read about ancestors. There's a lot to experience that I probably even missed. There are so many ways you can go in this museum. Um, but then you arrive at Castle Garden, and it shows you the waiting areas. And it's almost also kind of claustrophobic. There are all these people sitting in these gated, squeezed into these gated areas. And you could be turned away if you weren't were found not to be healthy or if you couldn't answer the questions. And every immigrant just had a few minutes to answer those questions. And then the agent had to decide if you would be admitted or not. So it must have been very terrifying to arrive at New York. It would have been exciting, but also really terrifying. Yeah, I suspect that. And 
yeah, and the, so the museum takes you through this whole process, and then you go to Central Station in New York, and there is you, that is kind of recreated, not quite as grand as the original, but and then you can continue your journey because most immigrants weren't hadn't arrived; they had to continue on by train or in earlier days by boat to the Midwest or wherever they yeah. were going. I, I believe mine went per, with uh, with boat by boat to Chicago. Yeah, because the railway didn't arrive yeah. until the 1850s, 1860s, so I'd have to check those numbers, but the earlier immigrants had the best way to travel was by waterway. Yeah, so, might have been cheaper as well. Possibly, uh, yes. I would think the train yeah. might have been more expensive. So anyway, that was a long story, but this museum is is absolutely... I, I don't know if there's anything quite like it elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's, must. It, it's if you are at least if you're northern Germany, you should make sure to go there. It's mm-hmm. um, it ha- it has a five star rating wherever you look, and I would say yes, that was a great. What experience. I would give it to, yeah, yeah. So that's also something you need to put on your list. <laughs> Besides the open air museums, you have to go to the Auswanderhaus in Bremerhaven. Correct. Yeah. Now we talked about pretty general things so far. Let's get more into detail if you really want to do a research trip, what you have to think about. Well, we already said that you need to start in advance, about a year in advance. You need to know the exact town. You need to decide if you really want to do research there, if you might want to go to an archive, if you are looking for a grave. If you are um, into uh, meeting family, maybe. Maybe you already know family or maybe you know they have family and you want to locate them. Also, that is something that you have to start in good time. Um, mm-hmm. Germans like to have it a bit organized. Right. They don't like somebody just ringing their doorbell and say, Hi, I'm your cousin from Germ- from America. And they would yeah. say, okay, goodbye, yeah. and slam the door into your face. You might not want that. So that's something that Germans, you have to be... Germans are generally very friendly, but they do not like surprises. Yes, <laughs> and they, they're very much into their privacy. Right. Uh, I've had that several times where I found cousins, and all these were immigrants that left like in the 1920s, 1930s, so they were still aware that there was family there. Um they they would never invite us home to their mm. own pl- places like mm-hmm. Americans would. They just open their house and, and um, give you a cup of coffee and a piece of cake. But Germans don't do that. Yeah. They're, they're much more private and they want to get to know you first before they welcome you into their house because their their home is their castle and it's holy and they don't invite strangers that's true home yeah. so um so that's something that you really need to you you need to get to know your hosts before you and you need to um to really know how you are related um there are always exceptions i've had that too but then it was always that everyone was so sure that it was a cousin and very often it were people who had lived abroad as well and and who spoke English very well, who were very open, open-minded, who would much easier open their home. Yeah. But mostly, I I found that people are very reserved, yeah. and they simply need need to open up a bit. And many won't. 
that's true. And, you know, then move on. It's yeah. Not everyone shares the same interest in finding yeah. roots. And yeah. You have to respect that then. Yeah. And it has yeah. nothing to do with you being American or a language problem or so. It would happen with, with Germans as well. So I have parts mm -hmm. of family who simply aren't interested in right. me having the knowledge and having the stories about their family. They're just not interested. They have the life of their own and they don't want to know. So that's that's just the thing. It's um, yeah something that you have to deal with. So don't be don't be sad if if uh, if you don't find relatives or you find relatives and they don't really want to deal with you. Uh, that's that's just the way we are, right? <laughs> Thank you for letting me in your house, Ursula. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I have a good day. So, uh, so yeah. archives, um, maybe archives. Exactly, that's yeah. a big thing. So sometimes, in sometimes you do need to do archive research here. Maybe you're looking for something um, like estate records or so that won't be online, or maybe it's an area that still just isn't available. Even church records aren't available, and you found that. They are available at an archive, say yeah. the one in Berlin that yeah. we went to yesterday. Uh, there's a Lutheran Church archive that has records that are only accessible there at this moment. That will probably change eventually, but right now that's the only place we can research them. So if you have been to the Family History Library in Salt Lake, then you're very spoiled. You because are. you can go there at eight in the morning and you can stay there all day. And they're not going to charge you and you can do research as much as you like until you've Yeah. Fall down. Yeah. And they're exhausted. really nice and helpful. Nice, helpful. The doors are open. You can um, make copies or digitize scans. Yeah. Yeah. You can... Yeah. Everything Something is... Something we're dreaming of here. Yes. Well, it depends on the archive a little bit. There's yeah. some German archives where that's very good and some that are just still, still in olden times and their technology. So it's important to know if you want to visit an archive in Germany... There are a few things that are very different than, say, at the Family History Library. You must make reservations. In They, time. In time, yes. Do it a few week, couple weeks ahead so that, A, you're sure they're actually open on the day you want to come because they're not always open. They might have a summer holiday. The one in Bavaria I went to was closed for two weeks just for summer holiday. Yeah. Or if it's... If it's um, uh, federal holiday and there are quite exactly. a few in Germany it yeah. might be closed. Some archives are not open on Fridays in general so you want to check their opening hours. You want to make a re reservation because they only have so many film readers and um, if you don't have a reservation they may not have a a spot for you to do your research. Yeah, exactly. And if you're doing research in Dresden, in the city, uh, in the church archive in Dresden, I think they currently have a waiting time for, I think, nine months or so. Oh, dear. So that is something, really something you have to yeah. uh, plan in advance. But remember, uh, Dresden is currently starting to upload an Archeon. Right. So you might... Yeah, that uh, might be worth the wait. Exactly. I've I've not had trouble. I, I visited a number of archives on this visit and last year also. I, I didn't have trouble making reservations a few weeks ahead, maybe two or three months ahead, and it was always fine. But it is, they do expect that, that it's mandatory that you make a reservation. Absolutely. And you will, their, their opening hours are not just limited in 
terms of no Fridays or holidays. Also, they may just be open till three or four in the afternoon. So know the opening hours. You do not have an, a whole day there. Yeah, and uh, come in time. Be there when they open and those few hours that they're open pass quickly. So you might need to plan an extra day or two just because they're only open for five hours or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, the archive in, uh, Catholic Diocese Archive in Regensburg actually has a lunch hour and everyone needs to leave while they have their lunch hour. So, yep. you know, ev everyone's different and just inform yourself ahead of time so you know what to expect. Yeah. And have cash with you. You will need to pay a fee. There is a user fee per day it's not outrageous, but you will have to pay it and you'll have to pay it in cash. And you will have to pay for copies. And depending on the archive, that can be quite expensive. Or sometimes it's just 20 cents. It, it, yeah. So just read on their website exactly what their regulations are so you know what to expect. And if you're unsure, just send them an email. Yeah, they're, they're usually very prompt and helpful with answering. So, you know, don't let the rules scare you off. But they are rules and you need to adhere to them. And coming as a foreigner into a German archive like this, um, you will not likely get help with reading the records. It's a very formal, quiet place, and you can do your work, but you, if you are unsure about whether you can handle the records, you need to bring help, because there will not be anyone there who is available to help you exactly. understand. They will exactly. give you an introduction in how to use the machines, where to find the films, but beyond that, they will not sit down with you and help you do your research. Yeah. I remember one archive, there's a lady and she always said, I'm not paid to do that. I'm not paid to do that. Oh dear. <laughs> so, but there are genealogists um, who will, you, who you can hire to exactly. come and help you, and actually, that that might be worth looking into if there's a local genealogist who might be very happy to meet with you, maybe even ahead of time, look at your research, and then help you in the archive find your your records. So, um, again, yeah, that's good if you plan yeah. ahead, and and I mean, you can even plan the entire trip through uh, through a company. So they really get you there. They get the nice and cozy hotels and they will help you in the archive and they will make an appointment and everything. So you won't need to take care of any of these things. So that might also be an opportunity if you find uh, this is too much for you to handle or you just just afraid of maybe getting in touch with these nasty Germans. <laughs> Um, just, um, uh, there, there are services that make your life much easier. Yeah. And I think, I think that that's been such a growing field in genealogy is genealogy, heritage, travel. And, and if you are in a position to do that, I mean, that would be just wonderful. You, everything would be tailored to your needs as the family historian and you know they exactly. would not necessarily take you to the average touristy places but you could come and expect to learn yeah. everything you want to learn exactly. about your genealogy yeah. what, and a, what a dream come true it is it is and i just uh i just had one of these experiences that i had a client come to me and uh, i managed to find someone who was uh, in charge of the entire history of this little town and he agreed to meet us and he had all the information the family needed so we only knew the birthplace and we came home and uh with all the information 300 years back we also knew what happened before they immigrated, that there were floodings. 
um, there was whatever, and he he knew cousins, and he gave the address and the email, and oh, and so we this... came back well prepared. So we only spent one day there, and, and this was all kind of unexpected. That you, yeah. So your client did the ahead of time research to make sure he or she knew exactly. where to go, and exactly and that yeah. happened. Exactly. So we had done that part of research already, so we knew, we had we had the records to know that this is exactly the town we're talking about. And then it only took one more day yeah. to have hundreds of years of family history and everything, so I just picked them up at the hotel, yeah. so they didn't really have to do anything. It was an entire day that was planned. It's often that way in German genealogy, that you just have to take that one right to that one turn that one thing you need to find and then you have an avalanche of possibilities exactly and, exactly right. and very often you just don't know how to do that yourself right. you just need a local yeah. uh, because it's not easy finding these people mm -hmm. uh, you just have to know who to talk to and who to find and and how to ask Yeah. There, there are different ways of asking. Um, so you just need to kind of um, know their language. And I don't mean German or English. I mean the being nice and please help me language. Right. So that's important as well. Um, so there's a lot there, but sometimes you simply need help. And it's a good investment because um because it maybe maybe you pay five hours of just for for some uh research in the beginning, and then there you go yeah. or even or you book a day trip without needing to worry about anything yeah. so you might have um, the experience of your lifetime and the most unique travel experience exactly that you could have exactly yeah. exactly, and you do need to prepare before coming you just need to there's no way if you want to do research you need an excellent prep preparation to really make it worth it i mean you're coming thousands of miles to germany and you really want to make this the best trip ever so you simply need to prepare right and to to yeah. understand that um uh that you need certain information to start and sometimes you simply do need help and and help is available yeah so from different sides. Yeah. And it's so fun for us researchers too when we can help someone like that and open exactly. new worlds for them. It's just it's what makes us happy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. 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 But you know, the thing is that I'm doing ancestral travel as well in Germany because I go to places yeah. that I've never been. That's and true. I'm right now I'm doing my Mecklenburg ancestors. So, it's so much things, so many so many things for me to learn, and I have to do it exactly the same way as I prepare for for our clients. Um I simply have to go and get the records first, and then I have to see and find somebody who's able to tell me more about the area and I have to read about the history of this area so that I can really understand how they lived uh, and and mine moved constantly moved so it's very very uh, um, important to know these migration patterns so that's a lot mm -hmm. of history a lot of social history a lot of local history I need to get exactly. information about yeah. and I need people who tell me who give me hints Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of work, even for me, just living um, 200 kilometers south of where my ancestors came from. So But it's, it's such fascinating work, and it's such it interesting learning, and, and yeah, don't miss out on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 found, I find it wonderful, and sometimes I found, find the houses my ancestors lived in, and it's really an odd feeling. Also visiting the church. 
they were baptized right. to really stand there yes. and, and, and really imagining yes. the baptism. That's, uh, that's a yeah. great feeling. That really gets you closer, I think. It gets you connected to your ancestors. Well, on my father and I, on our trip three years ago, when we went to Bohemia, um, that little church had been in the area right on the border between the Czech Republic and Germany where everything had been pretty much abandoned and it, it had almost collapsed and they had restored it. Um, so it was very beautiful, but it still had a lot of the old graves. My father and I went to Mass there and to sit in those pews. It was the original, this church on the outside had been restored, but it was the original wooden pews that his grandmother, as a young girl, had sat in and where she had been confirmed. And we have a picture of her first communion with her candle. That's the youngest picture we have on her, of uh -huh. her that was taken there. And, yeah. and um, that was an overwhelming experience for us to just be there and feel like we traveled back over a hundred years in time and and we're in her place and yeah uh, i think that's one of the most memorable experiences i had in my life was go attending mass in that church and i'm not even very religious but for me yeah that was yeah unique yeah, yeah. i think that sometimes we have you can feel the spirit Right. of our ancestors and of our roots. And even if the roots were cut off, I think we are able to somehow connect yeah. to them. Yeah. Maybe grow new roots in that very place. I don't know. But but it is something special. And it doesn't work everywhere. I've been to places oh. my ancestors lived where I just felt that, okay, interesting. And other places where they only lived for a few years and I walked through the church and I felt overwhelmed. Yeah. It's uh, it's it's something special. I don't really know what happening, what's happening there, and how it happens, but it's it's definitely worth putting in time and money, mm. just just to meet them that way. Right. Not to meet them on records, but to meet them in real, so to right. say, in right. with the place they lived. Well, Uta, I think we talked about a lot of very interesting things and important things to know before um, traveling to Germany and what to see when you're in Germany. Is there anything you would like to add? Well, I certainly am almost a little sad to go back home. Now, after we talked, I feel like yeah. I should do more exploring. We should just hop, hop into the car and drive, <laughs> <Yeah>. shouldn't we? <laughs> we should. I, I just, I, I hope that we encourage the listeners to... Um, explore and and not be afraid and come to Germany. It's a very welcoming country. They're wonderful people. I think you'll you'll like it here. And um, just you know, take your time to don't rush through it. Take your time. Enjoy what you can learn about your ancestor in that their home. And I, I I have a feeling they would smile that if if they knew that their great-great-grandchild was coming to learn about them. I, I think, you know, don't you think so? It was a lot oh, I definitely, definitely. I can, I can imagine them. Well, my ancestors certainly did. Wonderful. So thank you so much for joining me oh, for this it podcast. Was fun. I would like to come back someday. Yeah. You'll be in your house again. I would yeah, love yeah, I'll, to visit, I'll, I'll I'll visit think you about again it. soon. Oh, yes, you're always welcome. <laughs> Berlin's and a great city, too. I have to say that right now for yeah. your listeners. It's, it's, it's just, yeah. Come to Germany. Yes. And there's nothing I can add to this. So thank you, Ute. See you soon next time. Thank you. 
And uh, to all my listeners, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. And um, you will find more information on my Facebook page at Facebook slash German Genealogy Girl. Uh, there you can read and look at some pictures. So thanks again for listening. Take care wherever you are. Auf Wiederhören, your German Genealogy Girl. That wraps it up for this episode of the German Genealogy Girls podcast. Thank you for joining me exploring the hidden gems of German genealogy. Remember to visit my website at germangenealogygirl.com and learn even more about German genealogy. Until we meet again and auf Wiederhören.